Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Staley in English show featuring Coach Kurtz. I'm the man, Coach English, and I'm in the juke with Coach Staley and Coach Kurtz. We got everybody in the building today. It has been a long, tough week. Uh, tiring, first week of the season, right after the Thanksgiving break. Josh, how was your week? It was a blessed week, man. Um, full swing in the season. Um, we actually played our what our fourth, our, our third and fourth games of the season this year. Real good competition. Um, so the week was blessed, man. As always, God is good. How about you, Mike? Yeah, same, same. Good week as always. Like you said, it was a long week. It's always rough coming back after break. Um, but we just started testing again, testing our athletes in the vertical and broad jump. So that always brings some good energy. So good week as always. Yeah, and uh, my apologies for my voice. I've been, I had three games this week and I yell and scream apparently uh-huh. for the entire game. I blew a blood vessel in my eye against something. <laughs> On Tuesday night, it's, I, I think it's starting to heal, uh, but my voice is still gone. Hopefully, I get some rest after the show and be good to go on Tuesday. Um, today, we're going to be uh, debating the uh, whether college athletes should be paid or not. Um, once again, uh, anything you hear, if you want to join the conversation, you can tweet us um, at SNE um, on Twitter, or you can hit us on the uh, email the Staley and English show. That's the Staley A-N-D English show at gmail.com. Josh, we'll have Josh start us off. What are your feelings on the topic? Um, we're talking about, um, it's, it's, it's been, it's been some major debates on, on whether, on whether college athletes should be paid or not. Um, personally, cut and dry, I don't think they should be paid because it opens up avenues that, um, colleges across America aren't going to be able to meet, and it opens up windows um, that that young athletes, children aren't quite ready to handle yet. From from that perspective, and you're not going to be able to do it fairly from a across the board perspective, including male and female athletes. So my initial my initial um, stance on it is um, no, I don't I don't think. Um, you should we should we should pay we should pay the college athletes. I'll get into detail after um we let Micah um um say his um stance on it. Yeah, uh I know you got some numbers, Coach Staley. I got a little article that I, I, I looked up uh, with some astonishing numbers as well. Um and my thoughts after looking at these numbers and obviously we know how much athletics brings into these schools, um and so I'm kind of like you. I'm not sure the athletes should get paid, but I 100% believe something needs to be done to to make this revenue that is bringing in be be adjusted and and, and um, <clears throat> spread out among the university or among the athletes, among the students. And my initial thought is. No, I don't think college athletes should be paid, but with all this money that they are bringing in, the university should be doing something to make it more to make school more affordable for all of their students. So if a school like the University of Texas or Alabama that are bringing in 
over $100 million in revenue just from football, why can't some of that revenue that is brought in be allocated towards more, I'm sure some of it already is, towards scholarships, towards students, but if there's $100 million in revenue being brought in, why can't a good portion of that revenue be allocated towards college scholarships and reducing tuition rates for all of their for all of the students that come in and now those big schools like Alabama and Texas that are getting all this money from athletics now if they can make that that tuition more affordable now they can be more selective in in their in who their what students their admissions for students and and overall now those students that have great grades now you're offered the opportunity because you have those great grades and great test scores to go to a school like the University of Texas, say, or Alabama, that their tuition rates are extremely low because of all the money that their athletic program is bringing in. Um, so that's that's my thoughts. I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys talk. And uh, I know Coach Taylor, you got some some numbers, but I got some numbers as well to back up my thoughts on that as well. <laughs> um, well, I, I don't believe that student athletes should be paid. I just, um, I, I'm not <clears throat> as well versed as the other guys here. Um, I do know um, from personal experience that the college athlete to a certain degree is paid. Whether my philosophy on it is, if you want to look at, if you want to look at what they're being paid, they're being paid with a free college education. Um, now, Mike made a point that we could make college education more affordable, or even with that revenue, you could even bring it down even further than affordable, but to free for some. Um, I think that uh, the, 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 the glaring issue in all of it is, I took a second and pulled up my student loans that I owe, and if <laughs> when they leave with a college degree, they don't owe anything. I think that that's payment enough because that's going to follow me around like the plague until I pay it off. And that's for life. And I and it's at a, a asterisk, it's at a number that I know I'm not going to pay off in my lifetime unless I hit the lottery or something. And then at that point, it's like, for what? You know, so my feeling on it is, first off, you're getting a free education. Secondly, we talk to a college athlete personally and I think Josh wrote those numbers down as to what he said, how much money they get. And he's at a, a, a minor D1 school. You know, um, he's not even at one of the Alabamas or Tennessees or, 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 or uh, Florida States who just lost their coach. Um, he's at one of those small, <laughs> he's at the smallest, there's a little jab at Josh. Uh, but he probably wanted the coach, Josh wanted his coach going anyway. But anyway, um, he's at it. He's at a significantly smaller school, and the numbers he gave me, I was like, well, shoot, if somebody was giving me that while I was in college, I would consider it to be paid. Uh, now, I was able to pull up an article in the Huffington Post that talked about the pros and cons of paying the college athlete, and we'll come back to that um, a little bit later on. But um, I'm going to listen to some numbers first, and then we'll, and then we'll come back and, and, and revisit the pros and cons. So, Josh, what do you got on uh, on those numbers? Uh, I see a lot of writing on your page. <clears throat> uh, what you got? Um, all right, so the NCAA is obviously the um, functioning institution, the, the, the ruling body of, of, of college sports, you know, 
at the Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three level. It's 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 the ruling body, and the NCAA is the one that catches the bulk of the heat for college athletes not being paid and some of the other things going on because they are once again the 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 ruling body institution. They make the rules and um, create the um, enforce enforce the rules and the discipline, but. To talk about some of the numbers, why the people give the NCAA such problems. Um, within the um, past three years, each year the NCAA gross right around a billion dollars. Okay? Right around a billion dollars. Um, now, you have to understand business. Because people are like, okay, they get so much money, why can't the student athletes get paid? One, if you think about how many colleges there are in America, a billion dollars isn't a whole lot of money. Okay? Mm -hmm. With the amount of student athletes that um, play sports. So the NCAA gross is about a billion. Out of that billion, about half of it, a little bit more of half, is distributed to um, Division One schools, okay? Um, out of that billion, about 80% of it comes from media rights, um, like playing on TV. So they make, they make a large amount of money um, from, from, from TV, about 80% of it. And then the rest of it, comes from um, the NCAA championships, ticket sales, and so forth. Um, now, that is a lot of money, but after over half of it, right, just over half is distributed to Division I schools, that leaves um, the NCAA with a little less than half to function as an institution, paying its workers, being able to do the various tasks with coming with running that um that institution. Now some people say get rid of the NCAA, you know, and let the colleges run themselves. Well, that's easy to that's easy to say until it's time to police and and work within structure. Okay, I don't believe the college sports needs to turn into the wild wild west and everybody kind of do their own thing. We need structure. We need an umbrella to fall up under. We need the process of amendment. I do believe we do need the process of amendment because the NCAA isn't a perfect institution. But in the same breath, we 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 I think the NCAA has worked well for the most part as far as doing what its main purpose is, making sure student athletes have a, a, a governing, I won't say ruling, a governing body to work up under and, and what rules they need to follow. Now, some people say student athletes aren't paid. Well, within the last two to three years, um, no, maybe what, four, maybe the last four to five years, the um, a system called the cost of attendance for student athletes have passed, okay? So student athletes at your major Division I schools um, get a check, get a check every month, okay? Um it can range from anywhere from six hundred, from five hundred to eight hundred to nine hundred dollars if you're staying on campus. Sometimes it can go up to even thirteen hundred dollars if you're staying off campus. Okay, so if you're staying on campus, let's just say you get the smallest amount at a, at a, at a, at a Division One school, five hundred dollars a month. Okay, and you're staying on campus with a meal plan. That's not bad with an unlimited meal plan. Right, with a un, with unlimited meals. That's not bad. For a student athlete. And so let's say, well, what about my cell phone bill? Most cell phone bills aren't going to be over $500. And then if you're playing that sport, you that leaves you a little bit money to, to, to buy some clothes and, and, and some of the things that you like. Okay? 
Um, that's not including the refund check. Most athletes at Division One schools get every month also. Now, again, some people are going to say, well, I don't get a refund check. A lot of that has, and I'm going to get into this um, later, a lot of it has to do with equity because every school doesn't have the funds, like Coach Kerr said, of a Texas and an Alabama. Okay? But Texas and Alabama can give you your cost of attendance check every month, and you can wind up still getting a refund check. That's not including the per diem you get on the road when you travel. When you travel. Okay? So there, there are tons of benefits of being a Division One athlete on scholarship. You notice I keep saying Division One because, again, we're going to bring this all back in because the equity isn't the same at the Division Two and the Division in the Division Three level. Mm -hmm. So we have to be very, very careful what we ask for when we say we need to pay student athletes. But for the most part, I want to say the most. In some cases, Division One athletes are well taken care of at their schools. I'm going to kind of stop right there on, on that before I get into some um, other stuff. What, what you got, Coach? Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely, and you know, use my word, you, you stated, spoke very eloquently. <laughs> my, my, thank you. Thank you. It's definitely, to be a Division One athlete on scholarship, you you have great benefits. You have great perks. You you are, you, you it's a, it, everybody, would, I mean, if you had the choice to be a, Division one athlete on scholarship or a student that's paying full tuition, obviously, they they have a much they they the athletes on scholarship they have it good they have it good could they have it better possibly but here's my thought so I had an article from uh, Business Insider um, and they taught they they analyzed the revenue split from comparing the NFL's revenue split. Versus if they if college programs did the same revenue split, and so um, with the NFL's most recent collective bargaining agreement, the players receive a minimum of forty seven percent of all revenue brought in. So, if each school's revenue was split between the school and the athletes, with the players' share divided evenly among the eighty five scholarships, like I mentioned, Alabama, Texas, the average. Annual revenue over the past three years at Texas. What do you think the average annual revenue for, from just from the football program was? I would um, average annual revenue. I would take a wild guess and say five hundred million. Right. That's a high number. That's good. good. The average annual revenue was one hundred and twenty million dollars. Okay. So if they the school took fifty three percent of that, and then they split. Between those four, 85 scholarship players, 47% of that. The average football player at the university, the, the average yearly salary that the football player at the University of Texas is worth, $666,000 per player, according to, the same, according to the same revenue split that the NFL has. The average player at the University of Alabama $545,000 a year. Like Coach Staley said, uh, obviously Alabama and Texas, they got media rights. They, they, they bring in a lot more money. The average FBS player is worth $163,000 a year because the average football team uh, in the FBS brings in $29.5 million. 
That is just from football. That's not from basketball, which is a, obviously a high-revenue grossing sport. So, with all that being said, these these players are bringing in a ton of money for the school. Should the, Are these players taken care of well with their scholarships? Yes. But so, if the football program is bringing in $120 million at the University of Texas a year, my question is, and I don't have the answer and I have not done the research for all of that, my question is, where is that $120 million going? Well, I would so, say- if you did a revenue split, just like you talked about, like we talked about with the NFL, and give 53% to the school, 53% to pay the, pay the cost, pay the coaches, pay the cost of operation, that's $65 million right there for all of that. Mm-hmm. Take the other $55 million and reduce tuition for all qualified applicants for the school. I want to know where all that money is going. Is it just going in an endowment? Is Obviously, the coaches are making a ton of money, but I still think with that 53% split, there's still plenty of money to pay coaches, to pay out for yeah. facilities. I want to know where all that other money is going. Think, I, I, mean, where, I think it's going to the um, the rest of the functions of the school. I, but it's not going, obviously, it's not going to um, lower tuition because, hell, tuition goes up every as, year. As, as a school, like, as a school does better athletically, they become more selective. Like you've seen Clemson, it, it's very hard to get in as they've got their football program has gotten even better. They've always been di- hard to get in. But, I mean, I know i got students all the time, parents that went there and they want their kids to go there and they talk about how difficult it is to get into Clemson now because everybody wants to go to Clemson because they have a winning football program. Um, but So now it's more difficult and the tuition is going up and they're making more money. But that so what what they're doing? Where's the money go? The president, the president of the university has the mindset of this because he's the CEO. So he's like, okay, the football team, like you said, you give them fifty percent. That pays for the coaches. That pays for building new facilities. That pays for everything else. Now, because I invested in hiring a Dabo Sweeney, who is such a phenomenal coach and a great man, I have more money for my business to help build. For the rest of the school, because I got to take care of softball, who's not a high revenue sport. Soccer is not a high revenue sport. Swimming isn't a high revenue sport. So mm-hmm. everybody's kind of eating off of. I that. think you're making a generalization of that. All right, is so if we use the example of Clemson, that they've been a top five team in the country for five six years. Right. So if the president of the school was taking a good chunk of that money and feeding it into all these other sports. Now it's been five, six years, plenty of recruiting classes. Is Clemson's softball team, Clemson's soccer team, or Clemson's swimming team, are these schools competing for national championships, which they should if they're putting all that money and resources in to recruiting these athletes? I wouldn't say it's into recruiting. I think it's just putting resources into it. And and I think with when when we start to talk about recruiting, um, yeah, that stuff it, it, it looks good and all of that, but I don't. Th- I think when there's particular like softball, people want to go to particular schools for softball because I know we got a girl at our school now that's about to sign with something one of the top schools in this state. I don't even know who, who I can't remember what it was she said, and I was like, well, why don't you go here? Why don't you go there? She's like, no, because they ain't, they ain't that good, 
you know, I'm going to go over here. I said, but you don't think you'll get a better car? I think the conversation well, that's was my about, thought. But that's the conversation my thought. was about Why Clemson. is, and I don't even know how good Clemson's softball team is, no, but that's my thought. Why is Clemson, if, or to go to Coach Daly's point where, hey, they're taking that money that they're bringing in, that excess revenue, and putting it into other sports and other facilities, why is Clemson's softball team not good if they were doing that? Yeah, no. If you're going out and hiring the best coach, if you're building the best facilities, if you build it, they will come. That's correct? what they say. That I, is true. I, I, I can that hear, is true. I was just making a statement on where some of those funds are going. You know, like I agree with you 100% that it should be about lowering the cost of tuition because if you lower the cost of tuition, more people can afford to go to college. They don't owe as much when they get out of college, and the quality of overall life in the world improves. See, but that doesn't work for that doesn't not, work for the student loan companies though. That's why tuition continues to go up because these things, the, the the institutions and these student loan companies work hand in hand. It ain't it ain't because you think about the little the the population of a school. A student athlete is a minor population of the school itself. You know what I'm saying? And if the majority of your students are in student loans across the United States, you know how crazy that is? The amount of kids that are actually paying out of pocket have to get. We're talking about. I'm just saying, like. I'm going off strictly off Micah's point when he said some of that money could be used to lower tuition. uh, And I I would hope, I mean, I don't know that either. And I know that there's a lot with. Hospitals and insurance insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies and all that kickbacks. I would hope that colleges are not getting kickbacks from student loan companies. companies. Yeah. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say kickbacks, I would, but, but I wasn't, I wasn't using yeah. that. I wasn't <laughs> using that as a say. But I think that they're working together. I don't think they're working independently. Like, hey, tuition is this, and because when you go, okay, what happens when you go to financial aid office? You don't go, hey, I want that loan. Oh, I want to go to this company and get a loan. They go, hey, this is what you got from your loan, and they tell you the company that gave you. No, nah, you you can choose. You can you can you can choose. But that's what you, but that's what for those. Get. But that's for those of us that are knowledgeable. Right, but see, we. My, I'm, all I'm saying is this. Go ahead. I, go I don't, I'm I don't sorry. I'm getting off the time. I'm, I'm I don't think. Um, I'm sorry. But tuition is based off of like relationship with with um. Student loan companies. I don't. I don't believe that tuition is supposed to be. And I'm going to say there is integrity left in the world. Tuition is based off the functions of the school, what they need to pay the instructors, what they need for the um, just all all overall quality, all the way down to um the meal plan. Okay, I think that. But what we're trying to get to understand is we're talking about paying student athletes, like Coach Kirk said. Where does that excess money go? Okay, where well, there's two sides to have an excess um, excess money, a surplus in cash. There's two sides to that. One, if you're running a business, you don't exhaust all of your funds every um, fiscal year. You got to leave something um, behind. And then two, um, we got this thing called in in, at, in the college arena, which is strictly talking about college. There's this there's this legal this legal term called Title IX. You know, you want to you want to say, okay, yeah. The softball should be winning and, and the other sports should be winning if they're investing that money, but that doesn't have anything to do with Title IX. Title IX is all about equity, not even so much equality, equity, giving everybody a, 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 a fair swing 
Females are swing, uh, in the female sports are fair swing at making sure they have the same opportunities to be successful that the other sports do. Now, based off whether those sports are successful or not, that does come down to your hiring. That does come down to the athletic director and administration putting the right people in position to be successful. But at the collegiate level, it is so difficult, especially at the division. Well, hell, just at the collegiate level, period. Ain't a D one, D two thing. It is so difficult to win games and be successful that you have to. Um, um, it, it 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 comes down to a lot of people in administration would much rather make sure they are abiding by the law than worrying about wins and losses. Okay, so that's where I think a lot of that excess money comes from from strictly football. And Micah, you're right. It's even more excess because we haven't even talked about the basketball cash. Of a Duke or Kentucky that's in the six, Sweet 16 and Elite 8, not to mention a Final Four, three out of every five years. Okay, so there is, it's even more money in that. But as Kentucky plays football, even though they're not that good yeah. at football, they're in the SEC and they're getting they're getting a share of that SEC mm-hmm. uh, cable contract, media contract. And I saw I saw what JJ Reddick was like talking about the numbers from the Final Four. And he says, he says, and all of those players should be um, should be paid. Now, again, I have layers of why I feel um, student athletes. It, it's just not a good idea to pay them. Where you, I, I, JJ, you, I respect your opinion. You say they should be all be paid, but are you going to pay the females in the final four? Are you going to pay the soccer players? In the Final Four, are you going to play those baseball teams? Now, now you're 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 opening up a can of worms. I'm telling you, people talk so freely without thinking about it. You're opening up a can of worms that the colleges and the NCAA isn't prepared to. But why? But why? And I'm going to play devil's advocate. Um, This is America. This is a democracy. This is. I completely believe that. Title IX should be in existence. And you just opened up the show so eloquently in talking <laughs> about um, talking about all the benefits that these kids have when if they're on scholarship. And so Title IX is offers scholarships to all of the to fund all of these female programs, which is awesome. And I'm no way saying there should not be Title IX. Title IX is great. And I think that all these uh Female sports should be be on scholarship, um, and I think the, they should get those great benefits of getting a free college education and getting those cost of attendance checks. But now these sports that do bring in a ton of revenue, this is America. It's not a socialist economy. It, 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 if you if if you bring in money and bring in revenue and create revenue for a business. You should be compensated for it. So I don't see why it should be, oh, Duke's basketball team, they brought bring in, say, $100 million for the school, and Duke's women's basketball team say they bring in $10 million for the school. Why is it unfair for the Duke basketball men's players to be compensated more than the female? Why is that unfair? The females are on full scholarship. They are getting their cost of attendance checked. But now, because this this team brought in so much money, they're getting more money. And who's to say University of South Carolina women's program? They bring in a lot of money for they bring in a lot of money for their school. So those girls that that girls team will, if they were getting compensated, they would get compensated than a lot of the male teams. So. 
I if you bring in cash, if you bring in revenue, that's that's what America was built on, right? It was built on cash and revenue, but it's also it also has been our um one of our biggest um thorn thorns in our side also by being a money based country. Remember, this country was not built off of 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 the place and the thought of the woman either. So that's why that Title IX is so heavy. And those roots have yet to completely have been uprooted out of America. So that's why Title IX is so imperative. And, and, but, and, and I want to make a point. I'm not, not saying you. Title IX no, should not no, be in no, existence. No, Title IX no. 100% yeah, should be. Far. But I'm talking about if we're compensating athletes according to how much money they bring in to the school... Well, the key adjective, the key adjective that we keep forgetting is that they are student athletes. They haven't quite hit that cusp of professionalism. For instance, NBA players get paid way more cash than WNBA players. It's not even close. WNBA players, a lot of them go overseas to help compensate the money they aren't making from the WNBA. That's fair. You know why? Because way more viewers watch the NBA than the WNBA. That's just the crux of the matter. Now, they are all professionals. The women in the WNBA have to live with that. How do they live with it? They make the adjustment, and a lot of them go overseas to help compensate because a lot of the overseas teams actually pay more than um, the WNBA teams. Okay? Now, the adjective that we're leaving out is student athlete. The key word student is the process of learning. You aren't a professional yet. And as much as I do believe, yes, they are, they are making the school tons of cash. But here's where one of those layers that I said is going to come out. Because, because America is based on the dream and chasing the fiscal value of life. We get away from the things that are important that pushes you towards success in everything you do, which is the opportunity to learn, which is the opportunity to develop intellect, which is the opportunity to actually learn to care about how someone else's someone else feels. So you learn these things as a student athlete and you don't devalue the, the, the value of a free education. And that's what this thing has turned into. They're devaluing the, 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 the value of a free education, the process of learning, the process of, of, of creating equity and within the quality of life across all social makeups, all social economics, all races. And they're turning it into to distract. I believe it's a distraction more of a process of doing what's best for student athletes. I believe it's a distraction because if I can get someone to be like, hey, focus on getting paid in college instead of taking advantage of the free education you're getting, they aren't there for the right reasons. The, yeah. and, and, I, I agree with you. And I was playing devil's yeah, advocate yeah. about, about um, how much money these, got, the, the, these programs are bringing in. But I still think there is something wrong with the system where the... If you're bringing in that much money for the school, I and and you you made some points, and, and obviously neither of us have concrete evidence on where all that money is going. Mm -hmm. But I think schools that are bringing in this type type of money, like Alabama, Texas, Duke, that there is money 
plenty of money that is brought in that is in excess that could be go going to reducing tuition rates, eliminating financial aid in these big schools. And that these schools can then reduce tuition rates to an extremely low level. And now those things like you talked about, Coach Taylor, the value of education, the value of hard work, the value of being a great person, being a great student. Now these people that do do great in high school, that are great people, that uh, that are, are, a school can look at and say, this is somebody that we want to go to school here, somebody that we want to be an alumni here, somebody that's going to graduate from here and be a great member of society and be a great person and be a great ambassador for our university. Now we can admit these students and not have that have to have them have the financial burden of those student loans that 90% of college students, non-athletes on scholarship have to deal with. Now these schools can say, hey, our tuition is, our, our admissions is extremely selective, but our tuition is extremely low because of all the money that our athletic programs are bringing in. And I mean, I think obviously there's a, millions of logistics that need to would need to go into this and I'm not burst on everything that right. how where that money is going. But I think that that is what should be the American I, dream. I, I think using that money that these schools bring in to be able to offer opportunities for those that cannot afford it. Yeah, millions. Millions of logistics logistics goes into it. And we will this it's probably not a one podcast conversation. It will probably take tons and months of research to show why things should be a certain way. And you will basically have to do a dissertation that, that doctors have to do to prove your point because it takes so much research to go with it. But I do agree. I know you're playing devil's advocate, but I completely agree. Use some of that funds to lower tuition because if we really care about the quality of life in America, you give people more opportunities. I Like you hear people say, I don't want to I don't, it's, it, I don't wanna, um, use my tax dollars to help somebody out that, does, that refuses to work because they're too lazy. Guess what? I agree with that. But the way you fix that is early. You know, it's too late if you're trying to fix adults that are doing that. It's too late. They already figured out how to, how to twerk the system. Mm -hmm. It's too late. But we can get that 12 and 13 and 14 and 16 and 17-year-old person. Most people that struggle with being successful never knew how it felt to be successful. They've, nev they've never, most people that struggle with being successful never felt success. That's how that meant to come out. <laughs> they've, they've never felt success. Because when you feel success, you want more. See, failure and success are two, like, when you fail and all you're used to is failure, you learn to live with it. But when, you, when you're successful, you fiend for more success. So you work towards that. Most people never get into that successful, that successful, um, that successful train. So they're not choo-chooing towards it. That's why it's not that many great and successful people in the world. Because they don't know what it feel like. I tell my young fellas that all the time. Just listen to your coaches and let me tell you how I feel. Do you know what it feel like? I made um, Kendall Hampton, man. God, shout out to Buster. Bust was doing such, like, you know, when I got to um, AC floor, he was a kid. Everyone said, yo, don't waste your time. He's a bum. He's done. 
He's not going to make it. Everyone told me that. And I sat Kendall down while we called him Bus. I said, Bus, look, Buster, do this for me. I want you to know what it feel like to be just a tad bit successful and watch what happened. So he did it. We had our ups and downs. And every day was nowhere perfect. We probably had less perfect days than perfect days. And before you knew it, Buster was about to graduate from high school with a basketball scholarship. Before you knew it, his first semester, he was texting me, Coach, I got over 3.0. After the years over, Coach, I got a 3.1. So he started to feel success. Now he's in the likes of schools like Wichita State and, and Tennessee State courting him to come to them after he's finished with the junior college that he's currently at because he felt success. So what you said, Coach Kurtz, is so powerful, but most people are going to run from that because you said that because you think for other people to be successful just as bad as you want to be successful. So lower the tuition. Yeah. Give these people that opportunity. But who are we? We're just silly coaches yeah. on, on a podcast. But simplicity is what creates greatness. That simple statement that you made could do that because I like you said, if it's if it's sixty million dollars left over after expenses are paid, okay, put another thirty million away for a rainy day. And take another fifteen million for for just other sports and school structure. If that's what y'all want, you still have fifteen million left over. Let's 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 lower this tuition. And that's and that's what like you, you mentioned when we talked about what America was built down where uh Anybody can make it. Yep. Anybody can. Anybody can succeed. It's a it's a free dem, free run democracy. And obviously now is it, it's there's very it, the society is very very have the haves and the have nots. And it, it's never been more of a bigger wealth and and income gap in before. And what. My vision of the American dream is, and I think what all of us sitting here, our vision of the American dream is, is those that if if we ever and, and we're very successful people right now, but as far as financial wise, we're not we're we're not billionaires. We're not billionaires. But my vision of the American dream is those people that do make that money, that do make all that that are very off wealthy. They use that money, they use that wealth to give the less fortunate opportunities. So the now it is the the what we talk about the American dream where anybody can make it. Because now those super wealthy people are are affording opportunities for the less well with the the less fortunate. And that's exactly what I'm talking about with college athletics. The University of Texas, University of Alabama. They are extremely wealthy athletic programs. So use that wealth, use that revenue to give the less fortunate, the less for the the people that are less. I would say, uh, I'm not I'm not going to say they're less fortunate, but they're not well off financially. Their parents are not well off financially. Those that are very gifted academically, very gifted with other talents, give them the opportunity to go to that school for very low tuition. Um, and so, I mean, that's what I think that the American dream should be. Those that those that are well off should use that so that they can use that that wealth to give those that do not have those opportunities those opportunities. Right, and and, and I agree. I think we can come to a um, 
we can all concur at this table that we don't feel that it should be like a process of paying student athletes. I do completely agree with um, the cost of attendance check. I think that's huge to refund checks. But like I said, it's layers to it. The Division Two and the Division One schools can't, uh, several Division One schools still can't afford the same cost of attendance check that the South Carolinas and the Alabamas and the Florida states give. They can't afford that. So we have to be very, very careful with that, but I still agree because that gets back to being a part of America. Um, you, there are things you could do to to increase your revenue at your school so you can meet the needs of at least of a cost of attendance. You see what I'm saying? But I don't think children are ready to say, "Well, I'm going to this college to be paid because." They aren't quite mature enough because they still struggle with it in the NFL and the NBA because it's a linebacker looking like how to flip his – I'm the quarterback of the defense. How the quarterback of the offense salary triples mind. I had 178 tackles, seven interceptions, and, 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 and eight sacks, and I forced six fumbles. How's that dude getting how – how was his – how was his – yeah, he threw, he threw 31 touchdowns, but 17 of those 31s because I, call, I helped cause turnovers. Mm. So, so, so that's adults struggling with that holdouts and all of that. Well, children aren't ready for that. But let me yet. ask you, uh, okay? Saying, should we pay the student athletes? <clears throat> okay, we're paying them to do what with the money, though? Does right? It's just it's, you know because I'm watching. I'm, I'm on this. The money. I'm on this Huffington Post. The pros and cons, and one of them is financial irresponsibility, and where they where they quote Colin Cowherd, he says, I don't think paying uh, all college athletes is great. Not every college is loaded, and most 19-year-olds are going to spend it. And let's be honest, they're going to spend it on weed and kicks. Now, of course, he probably said it in a jokingly manner, but when I think to some of the college, you know, people that are close to me, college kids, athletes that are close to me, and I go, well, what happened with your with your with your no, they're, they're going to buy your check? Gonna, oh, I bought I bought this outfit and these shoes. They're going to buy nice shoes. So you need so you need money. You need me to send you money because you spent. But let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. Yeah, our 18, 19 year old kids going to do that. Yeah. But how many 35, 40 year old adults are still doing well, that? I mean, so you can't just say, oh. I don't believe in that I'm not, generalization, I'm not, but, I'm, yes. but I mean, but, um, there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of adults is, that place but to me, I think value it, on stuff. That, they're they're wasting that, cash. That, yeah. wasting cash. But I just so you can't like just say, oh, them. you don't pay a kid because they don't. I, I just if don't, they're bringing in that revenue, they deserve it. It depends on. You I, can't I, just say. I just don't think. And it's not every single kid. What say there's yeah, I out of ten don't kids like that smoking weed part? Set, yeah, that's well, I'm, Colin not, I'm, like a, I'm not a huge fan. I, I'm, that's like that's Maloney. Kind. There's ten. There's so say there's ten kids. Five of them probably are gonna just blow their money on stuff. There's also there's also mature kids that are gonna understand how to save their money and how to invest their money. Not every kid just because they're 18 years old doesn't understand. The value of investing. Let's like not generalize kids in that. And as, and, but for for me, like I didn't come up with anybody teaching me any kind of financial responsibility. And a lot of the thirty five and who and and older people that we're talking about that blow their money, they weren't taught how to be financially responsible. That's why right now I'm going out of my way to teach that to my children. That's why I go out of my way to teach it to Chris how to be financially responsible with your money. 
the, the fact of the matter is there's not a lot of kids out there who are taught how to be financially responsible. And if we're talking about giving them what they're worth, I think the majority of the kids are going to be irresponsible. Then I'm not saying all. I'm just saying I feel like the majority of them, because a lot of us are not taught. And that's for me coming from a place I where, well, where I was not. And, and, and there's a good portion of student athletes well, who are coming from. Uh, 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 homes of poverty and, and but stuff. But my, I agree here's, with you. Here's, here's my, here's my point. I'm, I'm sorry, I mean to cut you no, off. Here's my good. point. Like a lot of youngins, like what you're, what you're doing right now is limiting those kids that came from those backgrounds. If we're going to say, I'm not, if we're the, saying, see, if we're saying what, paying those kids. I, I, again, I don't agree with paying them. But if you want to open that window, like he said, they're going to waste the cash. Well, okay, he's not you, but but Colin said they're going to waste the cash in the, in the, in the article. You can't limit them with that generalization because for the people that are saying they're going to, we want to pay them. Okay, now you're going to have to create avenues of educating them on what to do with that cash instead of just saying, okay, pay them. Okay, show them what to do with it. I do think if if if, if it ever happens, it needs to be a mandatory saving and investment um, percentage of each one of the checks they get. I think that should go with their cost of attendance check. Well, but 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 you have to be careful when you. Um, I just I just don't like. Uh, it's it's hard to generalize when you make well, general I wasn't, statements. I wasn't, well, I wasn't trying to make a generalization. I was. I, I think that when we when we make statements and, and, we're, and we're talking, we're talking from experience. And I'm just talking from me and the people and, and the majority of the people that I know coming up that, you know, blew money and stuff like that because they didn't know how to be financially responsible until they got older in life and like, you know, post 40 where they actually go, okay, okay, well now I, I got to build the savings now. Now I have to do this. Now I have to do that. I'm learning how to do that now. I just two weeks ago sat down with the um with the financial just some a financial advisor to figure out how I could learn how to save because I want to teach my kids how to save. I told Chris, hey, listen, half of this got to go here, half of this part of this got to go here, and you don't touch that. You know what I'm saying? Like I I did that for him, but I still didn't know how to do it myself. You know what I mean? And it's tough when you don't know. And then you're trying to teach someone else. And like you said, if they want to put something in place where they pay them and they say, hey, this you got this percentage has to do this and that percentage has to do that. No, I still don't believe. This is not the reason why I believe student. Let me, statement, let me make that statement. The reason here, financial responsibility, is not the reason why I feel like they shouldn't be paid. That is nowhere near. I was just bringing up a point. Somebody else's point. That is not why I feel like they, they don't need to be paid. I feel like they don't need to be paid because I feel like, yes, they're being paid by a... Um, with a free education, they have these other checks, they have this other stuff, you have refunds that come in, and I feel like they, they're treated pretty well. I do agree with Micah where the excess money does need to have something to benefit all students at the school because at the end of the day, the reason why there is that excess money is because students from the school and former students from the school are coming and fans are coming to the game and paying the ticket prices to watch the kids. You know what I'm saying? Well, so, I, I, and I think we don't want to forget this. A lot of the money that goes into those sports come, program comes from the general admission that the students pay to go to the school. Yeah. Every school doesn't get a TV deal like like the ACC and SEC schools because after the Power Five, the TV after the Power Five, the TV deals aren't as strong as 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 some of the um, other schools. So a lot of that money does come from um, tuition. Well, you know. let me say this, go back to Coach English's 
I mean, obviously you said that wasn't something you completely agree with, but why don't we do this novel idea where kids, we know a major, a large portion of young adults don't know how to invest their money, save their money, be financially responsible. How, here's a novel idea from a dumb strength coach. Why don't we teach this to them in high school? Why don't we teach them these skills in high school? Why don't we teach these, ki- these kids stop worrying so much about test scores and teach them how right, to be Michael, successful you, you better, people. You better hey, be listen. careful now. You're talking about actually teaching it. Why don't we teach them how to... Like, here's because Why don't we teach a high school 101... Like we have at some schools a high school 101. A legit high school 101 with a real curriculum that teaches... We know the majority of kids nowadays that come from impoverished uh, uh, home life, they're yeah. not being taught that stuff. So it's our job as teachers, as schools, to teach them that. What? But... Again, I'm just a strength coach. I'm not the people in charge of these school districts, but why would we not, if we know that they are not getting these skills that they need for life, that they give need for life, now. why don't we give them them? Listen. I tell that my kids, my, my students, and obviously I'm biased, it's my class. My strength and conditioning class is the most important class that they will ever take in high school. My class is the most important class they will ever take, take in high school. Not only will it teach them how to be physically fit and be healthy for life, which in turn, they'll have more energy, they'll get sick less, so they'll be able to go out and hold a job and not lose jobs because they're always sick. But also, there is no better breeding ground than sports and strength and, and being in a strength training program to teach students, to teach young adults the characteristics of hard work overcoming obstacles, staying dedicated, trusting in the process, um, setting goals. That stuff they are going to take with them for life rather than, is calculus important? Yes, Yes. for some people. Yes. But 95% of students will never use calculus past high school or college. I've never taken calculus. So... (laughs) Why don't we arm these students with the with the ability well, to be successful? So to go back to your point, the, what, your original thing from Colin Coward. So then we don't have to. So then they are already taught the importance of financial responsibility. So we can't use that as an excuse. Don't pay an eighteen year old because he's not financially responsible. No, he's been gone through four years of high school of being taught how to be financially responsible. Now, but the thing about but it what is, do we know? We're, I, we're I, just I, teachers. I, we're not administrators. Uh, you're, you're now you're about to like probably get a dirty letter <laughs> in the mail because now you're talking about shaking up the bureaucracy of education and all of those people at the top who really don't do anything <laughs> and actually teach kids skills that they're going to use for the rest of their life. Why does that happen? Has to happen. Why does that have to happen in education? Well, yeah. That's crazy. What do you mean? Yeah. We have to teach to this textbook, right? No, but no, not the textbook. This test. It's nuts to me that we could sit here and come up with such a novel idea, which I do agree with. I think that that is an amazing idea. Have a class. Shoot, call it life one on one if you want to. Whatever it is, it's just stuff that's teaching teach these kids. Teach them how to balance teach the checkbook. Skills. Teach them that, how to save. I teach them how teach to save. Them. You know, teach them how to, how to open a bank, how to go into a bank and open a bank account. You know, teach but, them how to 
talk in an interview. No, but but you see, you, have you, you were you ever taught that before? Talk in an interview? Yeah, I actually I had an unbelievable business teacher. Um, yeah. at, at Hunter Kanata Tyler. She um she was unbelievable. But talk in an interview, teach them how to greet someone. When you walk in the room, speak like it's so many, but but like it's so many little skills. I think schools struggle because and there's so many great teachers out there that are doing, doing these things, I, I do, but they're doing them as like morning clubs and stuff like that because the right, right, higher right. ups in the school district don't place any importance on that. Oh, if you get the, a visit, the importance is test scores. If test you get scores. a visit, if you get a visit from your administrator and your Let's say not teaching the standards. Yeah, not teaching the standard. Well, make sure you have your standards posted. No, no, no. But here's the thing: <laughs> no, like, if you're teaching something that you can't have a standard that fits your particular curriculum, now you got to try to figure out a way to make it fit. Like I had to do. I was trying to teach one of the students was having had a job interview. Uh, uh, Elma, he had a, he had a, a job interview a couple weeks ago. So I tried to figure out a way to fit uh, in, interview skills into the curriculum because I felt it was something that everybody would need because he's a 10th grade kid and I was like well shoot probably something all 10th graders need because I'm coming from teaching ninth graders well let's go ahead because a lot of them are starting to get out there and get jobs I went to do it and although I got some very cool administrators one of them came to me hey hey yo you know you go with me but this person you know you got to make sure that you will find a better way to tie it into what you got going on I was like all right I appreciate it you know what I'm saying why did that even have to be a conversation when it was a life skill I was trying to teach? Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and and it, that's not nothing against him because I love my some of my administrators cool as crap like I love them to death and especially my principal I, I love Dr. Burry but you know he's getting pressure from people above him about test scores test scores test scores test scores if I take another now they they been every 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 um faculty meeting or, or professional work day that we got some new strategy that they want us to learn to, to help teach to the test whether it's the ACT because the ACT scores need to go up or it's the EOC because the EOC scores need to go up because no matter what Josh you know this the, the test scores are never enough no matter how high it is well, I mean, we, it's we, never we, enough we, we could talk about this until we're blue in the face it's going to be strictly like, like I said, bureaucracy. It's, it's, it's too many people. When I say the people at the top, I don't want you guys to um, don't flatter yourselves. I'm not even talking about at the district level. No, exactly. Like, yeah, don't don't no. flatter yourself and be like, oh, Coach Daly was talking mm-hmm. about us. No, you're no, thinking no. too much of yourself. Fam. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm, what I'm, what I'm trying to get y'all to understand, state it comes from the state and the federal, federal level, and it's too many people that probably never taught before. Don't even have a strong foundation in education coming up with this process. They have a, they have a PhD, but they've never been in a classroom. I think, I think but school, it's never been in a classroom, but you want to tell me how to teach? I think the school, I mean, hell, if, if you got some great ideas, I'm willing to listen. I mean, I, I, I'm willing to listen, but here's the thing. I think schools struggle because we, 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 we um, lack two very, 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 very basic things. We lack the ability to teach kids skills that they're actually going to use in life, and we lack the ability to discipline. That's it. Mm-hmm. Meaningful lessons and discipline is what makes a lot of schools struggle. Because when I was growing up, I could the strategies my teacher used were extremely basic. And the last thing that I would call a one A, I know we off top topic, which which makes schools struggle is everything in the world advances and change with time, except 
the process of how we educate young people. The way we educate young people has never changed. You look at a, you look at Coach Kurt's weight room. He has about seven. I've seen about seventy five innovative ways that that he educate people. And whenever I do his workouts <clears throat> with the class, my body's trembling because. I got max out of it. I'm trembling. Like my hand was shaking the other day in class, and I didn't even know why. Then I remember, I was like, oh, I worked out. I did the actual Coach Curse workout, not my workout <laughs> I've been doing. But school, the, the, the process of education hasn't changed to adapt to today's current kid. Now it's a bunch of um, language and literature out there that says these, these are the processes that helps fit the kid. But when you get into it, it's basically the same way that we've already been teaching. Well, well what about all this literature that's coming out? Obviously, I'm a strength coach and, I'm, and, and fitness, and that is something that I'm passionate about. There is so much literature coming out about fitness levels, how increased, fitne uh, increased fitness in young people, there's evidence that they have increased the fitter they are they they have more developed portions of their brain and are cognitively better than those uh peers that are not fit and then there's also there's also evidence out there that post workouts post exercise students perform better on tests they there's a actual uh uh a uh study out there that students Post-exercise in Germany, um, learn vocabulary words 20% faster than those that did not. But, again, those people, and we're not talking about the higher-ups in our districts. We're talking about the people in the federal and state levels. They're taking, trying to take more and more physical activity out of the school day. And wondering yeah. why our test scores are continually going down and saying the answer, the reason our test scores are going down, we need more seat time, more book time, more tests. No, maybe we need to allow our students to learn in different ways and increase their physical activity so that they can learn better. But again... What do I know, you know right? You, you know absolutely nothing because, like, if we're going to continue to use the assembly line process of educating students in the public school, you're going to – and like I said, I know some unbelievable teachers who's using the process that's been given to them and getting a lot out mm -hmm. of the kids. Yeah. But the assembly line process is for a reason because the product that you buy with the assembly line will never be as expensive as that handmade bag that was stitched by someone because the detail – and, and the time it took to it took to make that back makes it last longer and it makes it worth more. So we got to be careful with that. We wanted to get into another topic today, but we're not. We're going to save that. Yeah. We're going to save that. And I think it's a real juicy one. Um, I think it's a juicy one. Yes. I kind of came up with it because it's something that's personal to me. I think we need men. This is for you. We need to start doing a better job of protecting our women. And I'm not talking about jumping in front of her taking a bullet. I mean, take a bullet for your wife. Hopefully, <laughs> you like her enough to take, take a bullet for her. <laughs> but we have to do a better job of protecting our women. We're going to get in that to the next show, but we're going to bring this show to a close, man. Um, We're going to start our shout-outs, continue. We continue to appreciate the retweets. It's so many now that I can't keep remembering yeah, the, the, the shout-out, but I just appreciate, we appreciate your 
consistency. We really appreciate the support um, that you guys give us um, every week. I don't have a song or anything. It's been an emotional week. You know, um, Florida State lost their coach. Jimbo's gone. I'm not extremely sad about Jimbo leaving. I'm more sad about some of the decommitments that we got. I'm not sad about Jimbo at all. I want those three decommitments to decommit um, the, in, in to the recommit. last week to recommit. Um, so, so hurry up and hire someone. Yeah. You know, Jimbo, you did a great job. We appreciate you. We're not going to overlook what well, you the, did. The, the, the coaches that they got on their on their prospect lips, I'm yeah, sure uh, those, 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 yeah. those decommits will quickly recommit. When, when yeah, they get please, please come back, man. We want you guys back. And, um, you know, I hope you guys have a blessed week. Enjoy your weekend. And, uh my yeah, goodness. well, obviously uh, it's been an awesome podcast, awesome discussion, and we didn't even get into what I think is a complete travesty as well is that high school basketball players are required to go to at least one year of college or, or go overseas or can't go immediately to the pros. That should not... This is supposed to be America where... Everybody can make it. If you are, I don't care if you're 18 or 25. Right if over. you are the number one, if you are the number one basketball recruit in Amer- in the world, why do you have to go to college? Uh-huh. Michael Porter Jr. possibly was if he le- if he went to if he went to the draft this year, there's a good chance he would have been top three pick. By far. By far. Mm-hmm. By far. And now, because of these rules, He's he had to go to college. He has a back injury, which is... If you, you, know, never, right, you never know yeah. how you're going to recover from a back injury. He's going to have to go through many, many, many physicals and poked and prodded by all these teams next year. To, and they're going to have to take a chance and hope yeah. that he becomes, it returns to the Michael Porter Jr. that he was. I'm willing to bet. And I hope this is not true because I saw him play last year and he is phenomenal. But I'm willing to bet that there's I, I think there's a very, very good chance that he is not a top three pick next year because of this, because of the rule that he had to go to college. Yeah, I think we can we can kinda add that into the next show also. I mean he I like potentially like lost tens of millions of dollars. Tons. Tons. Which tons for what? Because Colin Cowherd wants to say, well, he shouldn't be able to go pro at 18 because he won't be financially responsible. <laughs> Let's be realistic. If you can go make millions, you go why go millions. to college? Yeah. Like That's why you go to college. It, yeah, like Coach Staley said, there's a lot of life skills, lessons you can learn in college. But the number one reason you go get a college degree is so that you can get a good job and support yourself and your family. Yeah. Michael Porter Jr., could have set his family up for life by being drafted in June of last year. But instead he had to go to college, and now he's hurt. And prayers out to him that he comes yeah. back and is the player he is. Definitely, because he's yeah. everything that I've watched on him, obviously I saw him in person, seems like an unbelievable kid, and he's obviously an unbelievable basketball right, right. player. And, and Marvin Bagley, keep balling my Gosh, son, he is unbelievably good. Monster. He is monster. I'm, he is like he is like Kevin Garnett squared. Yeah, I said it. At me. 
The boy's already better hey, than Kevin Garnett and Derek Coleman combined Com- in one. Combined. <laughs> and he plays more defense than Derek Coleman already. <laughs> yeah. He's a grown man like oh Derek Coleman. Oh, my set. I mean, he just... I mean, he's barely 18. He graduated a year right, early. He should, he should still be in high school oh right God. now. And as much as KG is probably one of my favorite players of all time, he is right on path as being just as good or if not better than KG. And shout out to Marvin Bagley and his family for making that decision to graduate high school a year early. Yes, sir. So now he can get to the NBA a year yes, earlier sir. than he yeah. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. Uh, no real shout outs here. I would like to say uh, my mother is a, a faithful listener of the show. I don't know if I brought that up before. And she says uh, to Coach Daly that there is a difference between dressing and stuffing. Don't bring the first. Don't bring your mother leave, in this. I know you didn't. Yo, bring your mother in this. Say some sucker MC stuff. Your mother's listening. I hope Coach Daly, you're a little nicer to Coach English. I'm just not. No, no. No, because I know what he did. He didn't just say. No, I was like, and Ma, he be talking to me all mean. Oh, no. You know what, though, Mama? No, 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 no. You know what, though, Mama? I'm going to just take it as. Your son came home whining. Oh no! All this stuff, man. But um, hey, I'm not. I'm not. Let me. I, hey, listen. I, she called me. She said, "Man, because she always says she enjoys the show. She loves y'all. She says she likes the fact that you get you try to you try to get on me, and um, and she likes the banter between the two of us. And she said, please tell, please tell her exact word. Please tell Mr. Staley that there is a difference." Between stuffing and dressing. Now we'll leave it there. I'm, I ain't got nothing else to say. I don't argue okay. with mamas. <laughs> but I ain't got nothing else to say. She uh, said it is done. Join the conversation. Email us at the Staley and English Show. That's the Staley A N D English Show at gmail.com.com. Uh, add us on Twitter at the S N E Show. Um, a, uh, as far as the podcast, like, share. Comment, review. We're looking for some reviews on iTunes. Haven't had any yet. Would love to get your get your word. Leave some comments for us. Drop it in. Hey, y'all have a great week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Put God first. Everything else will follow. Peace. Deuces. Stuff, fellas. Good stuff. Let me get to towel game, man. For put God first. Everything else will follow. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. Well, he already telling already left. Yeah, they started at one thirty.